Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. Welcome back to the Women Make Waves podcast, you beautiful people. I'm your host, Lindsay, and along with co-host Laura, we are going to sit down with Ariel Bloom, aka Bloom, our third amigo and the third host of the Women Make Waves podcast. We're super excited for this episode to come out because we want you guys to get to know us a little bit more. We have incredible guests, and don't worry, we will be bringing guests back, but today we wanted to sit down and get to know Bloom a little bit better. Bloom is not only a functional nutritionist and a badass CEO of her own company, but she's also an NC Fit trainer and on our programming team. So to say that Ariel wears a ton of hats and crushes all of them would be the understatement of the century. Today, we dive into functional nutrition and sustainable agriculture, how we give back to food and the land that provides the food that we ingest. We also talk about the shadowy side of fitness and disordered eating and thinking and what shifts and habits we can put in place to change our mindset around that and make fitness sustainable. So today's episode is for everyone, whether or not you're in the fitness industry, learn a little bit more about you, about us, and get going on the Women Makes Wave podcast. While you guys are listening to the show, if it doesn't bother you too much, we would love a five-star rating and review as it helps us continue to get really awesome guests on the show and spread the word of the Women Make Wave show. So if you got a moment, head on over to Apple iTunes podcast app and give us a five-star rating and review. We read every single one, they warm our hearts, and we can't wait to see more come through. Without further ado, enjoy the show. (laughs) Keep going. What's up, listeners? We are sitting here um, on our first host, Meet the Host episode with Bloom, Ariel, Lindsay, and I are going to chat all about this amazing lady that we are so privileged to know from nutrition to coaching to buying a cow, which is totally new to all of us. Um, Let's get this started. Ariel, maybe if you could just go ahead and intro yourself really quick for our listeners here who don't know you. That was the most fantastic intro and the way that you said it made it sound like it was bloom ariel exactly how all of my documents are so that was so fitting thank you oh my god thank you i'm really (laughs) (laughs) so so professional um but yeah i'm super super excited to do this episode i feel like this is going to be maybe one of our um kickoff episodes right of the three of us kind of introing ourselves and i'm stoked to be the first one to do it. Um, number one. Number one. She's number one. So, um, not really though. That's fine. Um, but let's talk about me because who doesn't love to talk about themselves? Um, I am a functional nutritionist and um, I start, did not start that way. I actually started as a CrossFit coach, personal trainer before that. Um, so I've been in the health and fitness, health and wellness space for like over 10 years now, which is insane to say, cause I still feel like I'm 12. Uh, I'm not though. And it kind of evolved me getting into nutrition really evolved from finding my strength, finding my confidence and my voice in fitness, because I just saw how it's, it's really crazy to see like the transformation that you get from getting stronger. Like I did not picture myself as an athlete. I never thought that I was. And once I started really diving into developing that fitness, I saw how much resilience I really had. And it 
kind of played into every part of my life. So then when I was taking that further and trying to learn how to fuel my body properly and how to recover better, all I could find information on at the time was for women, especially like how to lose weight, how to get a peach booty, like all of these things that I kind of just wasn't really there for. Like that's not what I wanted. That's not what I was aligned with. And so I really started to dive deeper and I wanted to learn more for myself because truthfully at that time, there weren't, there wasn't a lot of information out there for women to get stronger. Um, it was really only weight loss focused. So as I started diving in, I started realizing that I could put the same amount of time and effort into developing myself. And I could also share that information with people around me and it made them healthier, fitter, stronger, happier people. And so seeing that transformation in others really lit me up. And then I started coaching nutrition on the side. I was still coaching. Um, I was actually teaching part-time um, phys ed and coaching CrossFit at the time. Um, so then once I kind of dive, dove deeper into coaching other people and seeing how that transformation happened for them, it kind of was a no brainer to continue to develop that business and let let the education speak for itself in that way. Um, so that was really, that was kind of the pivotal moment, like that turning point for me. So now fast forwarding two and a half years, um, I have a business that I coach one-on-one -on -one clients I work with. I also have a group program where I work with women in like a small group setting. And I also run mini challenges to develop high performance habits. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people that are high performers in their field. We kind of gravitate towards each other, all of us type A people. And so it just seemed like the perfect place to help other people develop the same kind of habits that help me keep my health, promote health for others, and also get shit done, which was kind of like win, win, win all around. So now here we are. Uh, we're on a podcast with three of us, and that is my life story in like two minutes or less. I hope that was two minutes. Ariel, I don't want to skip over what you said um, a little while back about how when you were kind of starting in, in the space, everything you were looking at was how to lose weight, how to change your body in this way, how to, how to you know, get abs, X, Y, Z. Um, you know, we still have as women, and I'm not going to zero out men because they struggle with very similar issues. But there is such a long way to go that, that you know, we still have to, to flip that narrative. And I'm really curious, you know, what your personal journey was there. Like, were there times, you know, ahead of, did you get into fitness to change your body? How has that journey been? Has there been an emphasis? Has it always been for you? I'm here to feel good, be strong. Or what, is there a battle in your head about those types of, uh, you know, that conversation that we see in the media a lot? It's so true that we like, <clears throat> we don't, we don't really pay attention to this, like why you get into fitness in the first place, you know, like originally, like I said, I was not, I didn't consider myself an athlete in high school or growing up by any means. I was like the theater kid. I loved performing. So I always loved like being in front of people, but I never felt comfortable in my body. And I think that's why I gravitated towards theater because you were someone else. You were never yourself but you are like in front of people. Like I love that attention. Um, and truthfully, like when I got into, I, in high school, especially I, 
I wasn't an athlete, but I always wanted to be friends with those people. So I was always friends with athletes. So I, I, I like to say I ate like an athlete, but I wasn't, and I wasn't active enough to eat that way. You know, like it wasn't something that, um, was me really prioritizing my health in any way, shape or form. Um, and truthfully, like when I say like my drinking years peaked in high school, like that's all I was doing in high school was drinking and hanging out with my friends and being in theater, which like they, they don't really promote health either in that space. And so when I first got to college, it was really like a culture shock for me because I didn't know where I fit. I was always friends with everyone. So it was no, not necessarily like I didn't know where to hang out because I wasn't worried about making friends, but it was more like, I just like didn't know what to do with my time anymore. And I originally went to college. I went to art school. This is like a whole nother thing, but like I went to art school and I ended up being there for a semester and I didn't align with the people. I didn't fit in there. I can make friends with anyone, but it just didn't feel right to me. So I really befriended, um, this girl that lived next to us and she was super athlete, like marathon runner, always working out. So I ended up just spending all of my time with her at the gym. So I went to college, lost like I think I lost a total of 25 pounds when I went from high school into my first semester of college, um, partially because I was a little bit depressed. I was not expecting the culture shock of it all. Um, but then it just felt good to move my body. So it was kind of like my outlet of figuring out where I fit in, figuring out like what my purpose was because it was scary to go into school thinking I was going to be a photojournalist and then getting into art school the first semester in. And I'm like, this is not my thing at all. Um, so it started off as kind of like a way to kill time turned into this amazing thing that really helped me kind of find myself. And then when I transferred home, it, it was something that I didn't realize at the time, but slowly turned into disordered thinking. Like, all I could do was go to the gym. All I wanted to do was go to the gym. I didn't want to go out with my friends. I didn't want to stay up late and hang out with people. I didn't want to go socialize in bars. Like I wanted to wake up every single morning at 6 a.m., get to the gym, do my workout, eat nothing because I like kept striving for this perfect body. So what turned, what started as me feeling, me finding this because I wanted to feel good turned into so quickly disordered thinking. And it was not until like, gosh, last year that I acknowledged that. And people had brought it up to me in college, you know, like people were like, my family was like, are you okay? Like you, because I kept losing weight. Right. And it was something that was, I didn't look to myself and to other people. I didn't look unhealthy. I didn't, I never got to that point but it still was like in the back of my mind all of the time. I was super unhappy at school at this point. All I wanted to do was like work out and eat nothing. And it was really hard to be in that space. So it, like I said, like it started out as something where I found strength and then I slowly started to get wrapped up in the dark side. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable. That's something that I think a lot of a lot of people can resonate with. And just speaking from my own personal experience, something that I continue every day to struggle with. And there's such a fine line between between wellness and then taking it, towing the line and taking it a little bit too far. And you can so easily have a snowball effect. And 
I think that's where it's really important to surround yourself with people who love you, who can kind of check on you and say, hey, what you're saying, are you okay? Um, but, you know, just seeing what you what you post on your Instagram and social media, it's a, it's a celebration of all bodies and helping no matter what. And um, I think what you said before, too, was, you know, in your head, you didn't feel sick. Maybe you didn't look sick, but I, it's also a very, very important thing to recognize that you can look any way and be, mm-hmm. have an incredibly disordered mind process. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, of course. And here's the, the thing about it too, is like when you are someone who is very type A, very um, high achiever, it's really easy to get wrapped up in the like reward. Like at first I started working out because it felt good. And then I kept doing it and I kept fighting and kept pushing because that's all I knew at that point. That's the only way I knew how to feel good. And it wasn't until, and truthfully, like this happened also when I started CrossFit, I did the same exact thing. It started off as like an amazing way for me to feel good, get stronger. And it turned into the same thing. And it has nothing to do with the mode of fitness. It has nothing to do with the modality. It has everything to do with just my relationship with myself and how I was allowing myself to be kind of like wrapped up instead of really processing the why. Like, why was I feeling that way? Why, why was I allowing myself to, I don't know, like get stuck in this cycle instead of like really being thankful for the ability to move? So when you got curious about that, you started thinking about the why, what answers came up? Ooh, a big part of it was, you know, like growing up, I went through some trauma and a big part of it for me was this idea that like, I had to continue to be stronger, to be more successful, fitter, because if I wasn't, then the same problems are, were going to happen to me again. Like the same experience was going to happen. I was going to be put in the same situation. And instead of really diving into at first, you know, the stories and, and why I made those experiences mean those things, it was a lot of like the defense mechanism. Like I was always on the defense trying to make sure that, um, that it wasn't going to happen again. You know, I think a lot of times that as a therapist, right, that's what I do all the time is create a different relationship or create a different story with someone's experience. Um, because what we know about trauma is that it is so different. It's in the eye of the beholder. What could a thousand percent traumatize me because of whatever story or whatever experience I have tied into it could like roll right off of you. Yeah. Um, but I do think that because of shared understanding or shared experience of how trauma feels in our body, how a certain emotion feels in our body, how all of these different things happen, I think that kind of the silver lining in that is that now with the work that you're doing, whether or not your trauma parallels someone else's or mirrors someone else's, just the fact that you have like sat in that position of like, look, like I've had disordered eating, I've had distorted thoughts, I've had false core beliefs. How does it help? How does your experience help you relate to the people that you're now helping? That's a really good question. You know, one of the biggest things I think that sitting with your trauma gives you and really like acknowledging it is 
the compassion that you get from it. And I'm not ever going to say that, no, you have no trauma in your life. Like no one goes through their life. I mean, maybe you know this better than me, but like no one goes through their life without any sort of trauma. And so it's one of those things where like, if you can kind of tap into, you know, how you felt going through whatever your trauma is or was, you are so much better suited to just be there and hold space for the people around you. And that's the biggest thing that I offer my clients is aside from like the education piece, it's just holding space. Like sometimes they've just never sat with the trauma and I am not the one that helps them process that trauma. If that comes up in any of our conversation, it's always immediately like a referral out to somebody that is like, has the experience and the knowledge and the ability to process that with them. And it comes up for everyone, especially in as close of the type of coaching relationship that I build with my clients, because it's not, I started out as like a macro coach, like just giving you macros, like talking about your sleep and recovery, like, Hey, catch you next week. We're going to do this online. And it wasn't fulfilling because a lot of the problems that people ran into weren't about food. It was about like, why are you limiting yourself or why are you, um, why are you getting in your own way here? Like what, what is the block that's preventing you from really achieving the goals that you want to achieve? And a lot of times it just comes down to this idea that like you haven't sat with the trauma, you haven't worked through that. So that's what comes up a lot. And that is probably one of the biggest things that allows me to be so effective with people is just like, like I said, like having the compassion and holding the space and not letting the story mean something. Yeah. In therapy, we call it unconditional positive regard. Like this person is going to sit down in front of me and they are going to tell me what in their mind is their deepest, darkest shit. Mm-hmm. And in that, right. Like I can only be as effective of providing unconditional positive regard as I have looked at my own shit and their stuff doesn't trigger me or my own counter-transference doesn't show up in the room, right? The therapy is for them, not for me to be like, oh, I'm a badass therapist or I can do mm-hmm. all these things, right? Um, and I think that coaches in the fitness space, two things happen. One, you can be very, very stoked on being a badass fitness coach, but if you're helping your clients meet your expectations and not their expectations, you're failing miserably as a coach, in my opinion. There's I love that. Coaches out there. Two, I think that coaches, um, I always joke that we're kind of like um, any, any girl listening to this who gets their hair done can probably <laughs> know where I'm going with this, but like your hairdresser is like kind of like your therapist. You're sitting in that chair for however many hours they're doing your hair and like my therapist my therapist, my hairdresser knows like every guy I've dated, every like (laughs) PR I've hit, right? Like we just chat. Yeah. Coaches, we get that tenfold. Like if your average athlete is going to the gym, say three to five times a day, you are interacting with that human. They're first off, they're giving you that hour of their day. It's not scheduled in there. It's not like a meeting that they can't miss at work. Like they are choosing to come spend that hour with you. And Mm -hmm. you're, you have that three to five hours a week, which is more time than they're actively spending with most people in their life outside of work. Yeah. Layer on top of that, that you're now working with their body and everything that we know about 
trauma is that it is stored in the body. Like the brain tries to make sense of it, but the body is like the first person that gets that message. So all of a sudden we are in these very, very intense, I don't want to call them trauma chambers, but like this environment where like all of that stuff's going to start coming up. Yeah. And that's not a call to action to go tell everyone who's in the coaching space to like go take trauma informed classes or anything like that. It is, however, kind of a call to action of like, be aware of the impact that you probably have on someone else's life. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Um, I don't want to take this interview though. This is all about Bloom. <laughs> um, but I know that you and I can go off on this all the time. We, yeah. Um, so what was the, I know that we've talked a bit about the ripple effect that having these experiences in your life got you to step up to the plate of like, wait a minute, this has huge change. This has huge impact. But what was it that made you decide to launch your own company, launch these group classes, launch, you know, one-on-one courses and things like that? Mm. So a big part of it was initially because I started macro coaching was this idea that like, I really thought that I could help people perform better in the gym. And I thought I could do it in a healthier way. So I was taking what I learned about macro coaching and I was putting it into effect with people that I knew had had bad experiences with coaches before. Unfortunately, like it's super common. It's just because a lot of people aren't um, preparing themselves and they, they just really don't want to dive into the emotional side of eating. And that's not a knock on anybody. It just, it's a lot and it gets really heavy. Um, And so for me, that was like the biggest thing. I really saw an area where I could make change for people. The thing is that using macros to do that wasn't fulfilling for me. So as I started this process, I coached like that for, um, I think a year and then started to dive a little bit deeper and like, kind of like dip my toes in the water of getting a little bit further in with people. So it started off as just like online one-on-one check-ins. Like you would send me, I would send you a form, you'd fill it out, you'd send it back to me. I'd kind of give you feedback and then I would send it back. And we, and I did that for about a year um, until I kind of realized that selfishly, I needed more of a connection with my clients. I didn't feel that from what I was doing. So I started to meet with some of my clients. I started to have coffee with them and that was our check-ins. I started to have phone calls with them and that would be our check-ins. And it kind of evolved from this like really disconnected process of an online form submission to a phone call once a week to now what is like an hour Zoom call with my clients every week. And that process has just allowed me to get deeper to, to really like instill change in people's lives because they've, they've been given the space, like we said, to have the change to like acknowledge where they're holding themselves back, acknowledge where the boundaries need to be set, like whatever that is for them. And then go from there. So that's kind of like how it evolved. And that's why I got to where I am. When you were chatting earlier about, you know, your, your personal experience and then now transitioning that to help others, how did you lift yourself up out of that space? And and what are some of the things that you could maybe give someone who's listening right now who might resonate and say, Hey, maybe, 
maybe I am under fueling, maybe I do have an unhealthy relationship with exercise. And then also for your own clients who might be in that same space, what are, what are those things that, that you rely on? What's your toolbox? First of all, I love that question. Um, the biggest thing that I did for myself was actually not something that I did. My best friend gave me this book, you are a badass by Jen Sincero, Lindsay smiling. Um, that it's an insane, uh, resource for people who are just starting this like mindset shift journey. Um, she just puts it in really digestible terms and, she just genuinely makes you feel like you can accomplish anything. So I, I read that book. Um, and after I did that, I did a lot of like deep diving on my own, which took a long time. And I would really always recommend working with somebody to help you instead of doing it on your own, because I probably could have saved a lot of time had I like reached out to somebody a lot sooner. Um, but that was a big, turning point was reading that book. And then now when I work with my clients, one of the biggest things that we start with is just finding things every single day, at least one thing that you love about yourself. Like what is the one thing today that you've got going on? And it can be something you're proud of. It could be something that you just love about yourself. Like you love your eyebrows. Like my eyebrows look good today. It could be that you're proud of the fact that you did not hit snooze this morning when you got up. It could be the fact that you're proud that you opened the shades and got up before like 10 a.m., whatever it is, like wherever you are on your journey. But finding something that you either love about yourself or that you're proud of every single day. And that's been a really big eye-opener for a lot of people. We spend the majority of our life putting ourselves down. And it's just because like this is what this is what essentially society has done is we've, we've created a market for fixing. Like our market is just about fixing. So in order to fix, there has to be a problem. So we manufacture this problem that your body's not good enough. You're not doing something well enough. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. And what that does is it allow it, it causes us to, to really believe those things. And so if we can stop that process of like, wait a second, I am enough. I'm all of those things and more. Then it opens the opportunity and it opens the door for possibility for literally whatever you want in your life and however you want to feel. But it starts with not believing the stories that we've been told. Yeah. I first, I love the fact that you're bringing gratitude into it. There's been so many studies done that like we can feel multiple emotions at the same time right? Like mm -hmm. a part of me feels happy, but a part of me is really anxious or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but what they're founding, what they're founding, what they have found <laughs> is that when you are in a true state of gratitude, you don't feel other emotions. Like that's the sole thing mm. in that moment that you are able to feel. So cultivating this practice around gratitude is super, super, super cool. Um, so big accolades to you there. <laughs> Thanks. Keep <laughs> putting my horn. Ooh, I like this. You I like being on. I like being on with you because you like kind of validate some of the things, and it makes me feel good. You know, I'm not gonna lie about that. Yeah, people love that. <laughs> we don't get it enough. Yeah, um, I know. So listeners, go and your homework. A, not only go validate yourself, but go find someone, a stranger, a friend, a family member, and like give them a genuine compliment. And yes, see how it makes them feel and how it makes you feel. 
out of that tangent, back to the question that I had, what I notice a lot of times, um, and I've done it myself, I've totally fallen victim to this is like, when I want to make a change, or I want to do something, I start like, going to the nth degree, right? Mm -hmm. All of these changes I can make, I want to have my vitamin D exposure, and I'm going to do that barefoot so that I can soak in the positive ions. And then I'm going to come in and take my CBD and my MCT and my this and my that and my collagen. And like, you can go into like biohack overdrive. Yeah. So A, do you find that happening with your clients? And B, what sort of tactics do you have to get people back on track to making those sustainable life changes? It's so true. We get so full steam ahead because we feel like we need to make up for lost time. Like we haven't been doing this thing. Like we need to do all of it at once. And it can be so frustrating because now you've just made the barrier so much higher. Like you do all of those things. I was tired just listening to you, but like imagine doing all of those things for the first time on day one, by day two, you're going to be exhausted. There's not going to be any room in your brain for like actually doing your job on top of all of those things. So I always run into this, especially with new clients. Like my, my clients, as I work with them, they kind of get out of this full steam ahead mentality. And it's a little bit more like giving yourself grace, being a little bit more open and, and taking it a little bit slower, but always with new clients, it's like, Oh my God, I want to do everything right now. So the biggest thing that we work on is always find the smallest step you could possibly do. And, um, we talk about this with a D when she was on the podcast, like find the thing that seems so stupidly simple that you could do it in your sleep. And you're like, of course I can do that thing. Of course I can wake up tomorrow and not hit snooze. Or of course I can um, get outside for five minutes tomorrow. Like whatever it may be, find the smallest possible thing. And from there, get a win. And then from there, do it again. And continue to rack up the small wins. And the biggest part about this is not getting the win it's actually celebrating the win like when you where you where where your focus goes your energy flows and so if you are constantly putting out focus on the things that you that you're achieving if you're constantly focusing on the things that you're doing to get you in the right direction you're going to continue to flow your energy in that direction so you'll keep racking up more wins and the more that you rack up the wins the greater the snowball effect and the more of a snowball effect, the bigger the change over time. So that's like where we always start is this idea of like, get the smallest possible thing you can do and like start there. For some of my clients, that's, can you exercise for five minutes today? Like, can you go, can you just, I love that Adi said that she was like, can you just put your sneakers on today? Because like, if you put them on, you're more likely to do something. Like, can you just go downstairs? If you have a home gym, some of my clients have gyms at home since, since the pandemic, like, can you just go downstairs? Like maybe you go work down there for a few minutes. Like then maybe you want to go sit on your bike while you do some work, or maybe like you just go take a walk outside to take a phone call. And then maybe you make that phone call a little bit longer, or maybe you make your walk a little bit longer. And it's just, I cannot stress enough how important those little wins are to really make did I put myself on mute? That was silly. To make the big change that we want. Speaking of big changes, <laughs> you moved to Austin and bought a farm. Yeah, that and was a that big about? one. So, okay. 
I should preface this by saying we've been living in an RV for the past year. And um, when we moved into the RV, it was not initially a plan of ours to buy land after a year. We were actually planning to do this. We were like, we could probably do this for like five years. Because I love, love living in the RV. I love the fact that we get to travel. I love that we get to see all these different places. I love going camping and hiking. So it was a kind of like a win-win for me to live here until we started really diving into health and until we started diving into more about like where your food's coming from. And this whole process of diving into this really opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, where our food comes from really matters, not just for our health or for that animal's health, but it matters for our planet's health. And we're in a really big, we're in a state of great change right now in that we've only got a finite amount of time left before shit really hits the fan. And that's in terms of our health and it's in terms of the planet's health. We like, we keep hearing about climate change. We keep hearing about all these problems and it became really apparent the past year as we've moved state to state to state, staying at different farms, talking to different people, learning about all of those different practices, just the idea that we have a very simple, not simple, but we have a solution that's doable from quite a few people. And it's just this idea of like giving back to our soil, replenishing the soil health by raising animals on that land that are going to give back and practicing that it's called regenerative agriculture, practicing that style of farming and ranching. So as we started diving deeper into that, as we started getting more and more obsessed with that, because, you know, we go all in on everything, we started to um, really just see that this was possible for us. It wasn't just kind of like a pipe dream. As we met more people, we started meeting younger and younger couples doing what we wanted to do. So it made it seem really, really doable for us. So fast forward, we get to Austin. We were supposed to stay here for a month and then continue our travels. We were going to do a whole big loop. We were going to go back to New York. We were going to go to Hawaii. Um, we were taking advantage, like full advantage of being uh, remote working. I obviously work remotely, run my own business. Um, Gabe was working remotely. So we were like, you know, we can really go anywhere in the US. So let's take advantage. So we had a whole trip planned out. We had like basically our entire route. Um, and this is why we don't book in advance because plans change. So we get to Austin within a week, we bought a farm. It was like, we got here, we saw property that checked every box we could have imagined. It couldn't have been more perfect. And once we got on the land, it just felt right. And then everything kind of fell into place and we, um, we ended up with a farm and now we've been acquiring animals for the past, um, three weeks as we're waiting to close. And talk about the ripple effect from you learning about regenerative agriculture to meeting other people doing that, um, to making changes in your own diet to now starting your own farm. And then I know part of your plan is to also educate others on this. I mean, you were right there in the middle of it, just spreading information. It's so beautiful. I think, I think, um, part of, part of the, the trouble with everything that's going on with the climate right now and with people's perceptions is like, uh, kind of a feeling of helplessness 
of, mm-hmm. okay, if I make this change, what does it really matter? And I think looking at you and speaking to you right now, you're, you are an example of someone who didn't make a change and it is going to matter to a lot of people. It matters to every single person listening to this podcast. It matters to me. It matters to Lindsay, to every life you've touched um, by it. So that's, that's incredibly powerful. Thanks. Yeah. So the biggest piece of this is that I'm not saying everyone has to go buy a farm. Like, obviously that's not feasible. And the biggest way that you can create change is by becoming educated on what the change is for. And so that's always been a really big piece for us is this idea that like, if you make, if you have educated people, they're going to make better decisions. And there are ways that you can promote regenerative agriculture and vote with your dollars instead of necessarily having to be the one to raise animals and to start a farm. Like that's not necessarily feasible for everyone. And if you are in a position where you maybe can't vote with your dollars, maybe you're on a really tight budget. Maybe that's just not feasible for you to buy highest quality pasture raised free range locally sourced, whatever it may be, there are people out there that can. And and for them to make that vote, for them to be the ones that start that process, and they're the ones that start to vote with their dollars, it becomes accessible down the line. The only way we're going to get there is by more people developing relationships with where their food is coming from. If you can stay connected to that, if you can get connected to that source, whether it's the produce that you're getting, whether it's the animals uh, that you're getting for proteins, whatever it may be, if you learn the sourcing, if you understand and you get to know the people that are raising your products, you're going to be better off down the line and it's going to make that much more of a ripple effect. You know, like nothing changes if nothing changes. I say all the time. So if we're continuing to go down the rabbit hole or the root of buying things that we're so completely disconnected from, we're never going to get to the other side. We have to start learning and it's uncomfortable at first to learn where your proteins come from. Like that's not necessarily a great thing, especially if you're like an empathic person, it can be tough to learn how your animals are butchered or like what part of that animal you're eating necessarily. Like those things are not comfortable and it develops a lot more of an appreciation for what you're eating. And truthfully, that mindfulness, the understanding of where your food's coming from, it plays a huge role in your body's ability to digest that food. There's a huge connection between like you understanding where your food comes from and your body's ability to break it down. If you're not connected in that way, it's a lot harder for your body to break down that, those nutrients, that food. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I I, I was going to bring that up. I remember reading one of your posts saying that. And also just the act of preparing your own food and having Mm -hmm. that ritual will allow for more enjoyment and more mindful, mindful eating across the board as well. And it's just a beautiful marriage of what's healthy for the planet is also healthy for for us. Yeah, it's so true. Like if you are, I can't think of a more... um, mindful practice than really paying attention and 
being present in preparing your food, whether it's like, it doesn't matter if you're vegan, if you are carnivore, if you're omnivorous, like if you are really invested and present in your process of preparing your meals, you're going to be better off digesting that food. Our bodies, while we're preparing our food, that's where, um, that's where digestion starts. It starts in our brain. So if we're like super mindful of how we're preparing our food, our brains are already thinking about breaking it down. If we are always just like ordering takeout or getting fast food, our bodies are not given the opportunity to start the process of producing enough saliva to break down that food, of like revving up the digestion process in our stomach or in our small intestine or in our large intestine, like all of that process starts in our brain. And so we have to be mindful in order to break those things down. And this connection just takes it one step further, right? Like now, you know, you have an emotional now connection to the person that's producing your food, the person that's supplying your nutrients, your nourishment. And that's such a special relationship. And that's why, like, I say it doesn't matter if you don't eat meat, if you eat meat. Like, that part doesn't matter as much as, like, if you can get to know the source of your food, whatever the food is, you'll be much better off. Yeah, and I love that you bring up the fact that, like, playing the part that you can play. We totally get that, like, we don't all have tons and tons of money to go do all of these things. Um, I know like for me personally, um, the use of like single use plastic is a really, really big one for me. Um, and I don't have tons of money to go throw at coalitions to, to stop the use of single use plastic. Right. But what I can do is like, I don't let myself get coffee out unless I have my reusable mug with me. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's the same little steps. Um, do you have any tips or tricks for people that might not have a ton of money to throw at this, but are super inspired by what you're saying that they can go do and implement in their lives today um, to start working towards a more sustainable agricultural life? Heck yeah. So there's a couple of things that you can do and there's like a spectrum, right? Like anything. Um, if you are somebody that likes DIY, if you're somebody that like wants a little project on the side, grow some veggies, like can you grow tomatoes? You can literally grow tomatoes almost anywhere. Um, that's something that you could do in your house. You can just try that. Um, so growing veggies at home is something that most people can kind of play with. You can put them on a terrace, you can leave them inside. Um, but smaller than that, like, can you buy one thing organic that you know should be. So there's a list, it's called the Dirty Dozen, and it's foods that you should be buying organic um, because those are the most widely used or the heaviest use of pesticides. So that's going to be something that can keep you healthier. Aside from that, there are ways that you can reduce your plastic consumption. So single-use plastic is not only bad for the environment, shocker, it's also bad for your system. There are BPAs, there are phthalates, there are all these different products that are um, chemicals, I should say, that are in single-use plastics, um, even plastic water bottles, some of our self-care products. And those things can wreak havoc on our bodies and the environment. So can you save tomato jars and use those as your water bottle instead of um, a, a 
plastic water bottle? Can you get BPA-free things? Can you look for one item in the supermarket or in um, the pharmacy that is BPA and phthalate sulfate-free? If you are continuing to just go down that path slowly but surely and slowly acquiring little things, those are going to make the biggest difference in the long run because demand is the thing that pushes it pushes the economy one way or the other. It pushes the market one way or the other. So those are like the biggest, um, the things that are going to make the most difference. Hell yeah. Um, well, Bloom, this has been amazing. I know we typically start the podcast by asking how you're making <laughs> waves. Um, and I think we've reached a ton of waves that you're creating, but if you could throw your wave out there and create that ripple effect that we've been talking about throughout the show, what is it? How are you doing it? Well, I would just well, say it's kind of more like a tsunami at this point, but <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> I love that. I can't do anything half as You guys know that. Um, I think the biggest wave is just providing and holding the space for education. At this point, like, it's the thing that's going to make the most difference. And it's something that, you know, like I can't do alone and I will never say I'm going to. Um, so my wave is not only, you know, providing the education, but it's asking to share it. So if you resonate with this, please share this with everyone and anyone. It doesn't matter if they are a woman or if they are not, but we all need education. That's the biggest thing. And Bloom, where can people find you on social? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I'm on Instagram mostly at Ariel underscore Bloom, literally just my name. And that's always going to be the best place to find me. And that's it. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much. Episode one of Meet the Hosts. And uh, guys, if you loved what Ariel had to say as much as we did, be sure to go check her out on social follow along what she's doing on the NC fit platforms and we will catch you guys on the other side. Thanks guys. <laughs>